welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Pain Train Pipe Bomb Productions. I am the Bear of Texas, and it's my honor to welcome back Mr. David LaFon. David, what's up, brother? Hey, what's up, guys? What is up, Chaos Nation? Um, another crazy week in wrestling. Another uh, crazy week in life. Um, ready to dive into it and uh, give you that view and that take that you can only get here from Smokey and the Bear on the Ringside Chaos podcast. Absolutely. I got to be honest, y'all. I'm a little shaken up because if anybody has been recently watching Monday night, uh, Thursday night football with what happened with Tua, I mean, you know, a, a former wrestler, Chris Nowinski, you know, whose career ended because of a concussion is furious. And I'm just like, regardless, I'm, I'm here because, you know, I, I spoke to you earlier, David. I made this schedule. I'm not going to back out of it because, you know, this is not what I do. If, if I, I'm, I'm always here to work and that's what I'm here. So what we'll start with. Is that apparently Tony Khan will reportedly not be granting any AW talent releases because, according to this, now, David, you're going to find this interesting. AW, according to this, reportedly sent an email to WWE co CEO Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon warning them to, quote, not to tamper with their talent after an AW wrestler reported to the company. That he was contacted by a WWE rep- representative about a possible return. Huh. Yeah, I saw that. And I mean, I think this is something that people definitely expected. I think with Triple H taking over, you know, basically control of WWE at this point, um, you know, there would be, you know, I would say dealings or feelers being sitting sent out to the quote unquote Triple H guys. You look at guys like, FTR, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, probably Adam Cole to a certain extent. Um, the ones we're going to talk about later, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews. I could definitely see how, you know, through a friend of a friend of a friend, um, you know, those people definitely may have been contacted by someone from the WWE, from the Triple H regime in order to try and, you know, see exactly how things are going on the AEW side of the world. Because according to this, you know, okay, we'll get to Malachi Black, but we'll we'll give the teaser because apparently, well, let me just say it like this. I'll at least say this out of the blue. It turns out that his release from AEW was fake news. But according to this, FTR and Surf Strickland apparently were some of the talent in AEW that WWE apparently reached out to about return of the company, and this is after Triple H's takeover from Vince McMahon's regime. Absolutely. I mean, with with the Swerve one, you had to see that coming, with the rest of Hit Row being signed back, um, Top Dollar, Ashanti the Adonis, B-Fab all coming back on SmackDown. Of course, they were, you know, part of that original NXT group with Swerve in there as well. 
Uh, by all reports and everything we've heard, those you know, Swerve has no interest in returning to the WWE. Um, I think probably the same deal with FTR. I mean, they're arguably on the greatest run of any tag team within probably the past 20 to 30 years. Um, as far as the AAA belts, the ROH belts, the IWGP belts. So I could definitely see the feelers being sent out to them. But uh, I don't know. It seems to me like the stories of people actively going to Tony Khan and asking for their release honestly seems to be like just a, a, a bunch of bullshit. Um, now, I can understand Tony sending that email and kind of letting you know, hey, you know, you don't start no SH. There ain't going to be no IT. And just kind of letting them know that, you know, it's it's not going to be something he's going to take lightly. Which, I mean, you know, we can completely respect that. That's your prerogative as as a businessman. And if the situation was reversed, I mean, WWE would do the exact same thing to him. So that's I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Yeah, it, it shouldn't. And I do feel a little bit disappointed because I did do an episode with uh, Ricky about Molokai Black being released. And in my case, I don't feel too bad because I was not upset about it because I, I love Molokai Black, whether he's Alistair Black, Molokai Black. You know, he's been he's I mean, I've watched his, you know, I've watched highlights of him, you know, back in his days on the European Indies. And I, I said to him, look. He, if he needs time off to focus on mental health, I totally am for it because I'm a mental health advocate. I understand. But again, like, we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, apparently, we, from what I'm told is I, I was just misled. And it, it's, I it's mean, that, that's yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, being in this space, we're, we're constantly bombarded with information. And, you know, we're, we're not Meltzer, we're not Brian Alvarez, we're not, you know, um, uh, Sean Rapp from Fightful, which I'm not trying to degrade any, any of those guys by any means, don't get me wrong. Um, they're all people I look up to, people I admire. But, I mean, we're doing this based off of, you know, what we're able to infer our history as wrestling fans. We don't really have a quote-unquote insider. So when we are come on, you know, we are trying to discuss what is being, you know, talked about in these these major uh you know, dirt sheets, publications that are going to follow them and trying to just put the spin on it from, you know, just a couple of fans who just love professional wrestling and trying to infer what we can from our own experiences. So, I mean, that, that's definitely bound to happen. Um, I do love the fact that Malachi kind of came out and was like, you know, on his Instagram live and tried to set everything straight. And it just goes back into the, you know, the 90% of what you read on Twitter is bullshit. And unless, right. you know, and I think this is a lesson for everybody, unless you're hearing it directly from that wrestler, or from that source, you know, take everything here with a bit of a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in, in your case and in my case and a lot of, you know, wrestling fans and journalists were basically on a need to know basis. But yeah, according exactly. to Dave Meltzer. Yeah, so he's I, I, this came from him of the Wrestling Observer, Mr. Dave Dave Meltzer said that uh, President Tony Khan will not be granting any releases, and he said, and I quote, "Nobody's getting released. That's the doctrine." Tony Khan made that very clear, I guess, in the last couple of days. Now it's just he he's I'm referring to Black not being released. Buddy Matthews is, isn't being released, uh, and I'll, I, I'm, now the, they may be back sooner than before, whatever. So he's basically kind of giving his thoughts, but. Uh, and I, I, should, I say unquote now. And so because I did see I, I could have sworn I saw a story that Buddy Matthews was 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 released. I didn't think any of it, but I was like, wait, what? Because I well, never saw it coming. Why would they have released him? 
And and that's what what is so so weird about the situation is, you know, according to uh, Malachi Black, according to Buddy Matthews. I mean, do we know like specifically has there been any actual accurate reporting of any wrestler in AEW requesting their release? I mean, not that I know of. I mean, nothing that that's accurately be proven. So, I mean, I don't I don't see Tony Khan having this, you know, huge meeting like, hey, I don't know if you have asked for your release, but don't even be thinking about it because we're not going to let it happen. So I don't know no. if it's Meltzer kind of blowing something out of proportion or maybe there is are people going to Tony, you know, asking for these uh, releases that just, you know, isn't being leaked out to the to the general public. Yeah, so that's why I assure everybody, David and I, we're not confirming anything, at least not 100%. Again, David and I are a need-to-know basis. Like, we're just like, trying to sift through the bullshit and make it. Uh, yeah, I mean, try, again, try, to, try to figure out along with y'all what exactly is uh, is going on. But at the same point, I can see Tony seeing something. You know, maybe not that. You know, this is the directive. This is what we're doing. But you know, with the the regime change in the WWE, it definitely you can see it being more appealing. I would think to certain wrestlers who maybe aren't getting these the push that they thought they were, the airtime that they thought they were, the TV time because of how bloated the AEW roster is, that they may be, you know, looking at the WWE in a different light now or, you know, maybe it is kind of kind of nice back over there. Maybe we'll go to Connecticut and check it out. And so mm-hmm. Tony's just trying to let everyone know that's that's not going to be a thing. Uh, it's just I mean, and Malachi Black, you know, like you said how he took to Instagram and he basically said right out of the blue, the reports about him being given the conditional release were, quote, false. He even said, and I quote, I don't know why you trust these people to tell you the truth because it's not true, unquote. I think, I mean, we all saw that footage. He, he waved by the crowd. So it's understandable that we had a feeling that he was going to be released. But he confer- he did say he confirmed. I mean, this is obviously confirmed that he says that he's been given time off by Tony Khan to take care of a bunch of stuff. Like like that. So so basically, he I, I think he's he's not being released from AEW. He's just taking a break from work. In other words, I think a sabbatical. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. And um, I mean, and and to be to be honest, you know, when he when he decided to take this time off, and at the end of All Out or at the end of that match when he bowed and blew the kiss, you know, I mean, let's wrestling in its. It's purest form is a show, right? We we understand it that it's you know these athletes, these performers putting on a show for our entertainment. Um, they add drama, they add theater, they add prestige to this. So it may have been something where in his mind, you know, him blowing the kisses, him taking the bow is just to kind of plant that seed in our heads of you know is he taking a break? Is he leaving AEW? And then it was taken by the dirt sheets and by people on Twitter and just blown completely out of proportion. And, you know, like he said in the Instagram, he started getting death threats because people thought he was, you know, jumping shit from AEW to WWE. And so he had to actually go to Instagram and make this post like, no, you fucking morons. I'm not going there. I'm just taking a break. You know, it's fans are so obsessed and. Yeah, obsessed is the perfect word with what's going with what's going on behind the scenes and what's going on with wrestlers' personal lives. That something, you know, like this would can just as easily be as Malachi trying to let us know, you know, or trying to play um I'm trying to think of the word, 
trying to play off of us a little bit and kind of put that seed of doubt in our mind as part of what's really going on. Is he going to come back? It just got blown out of proportion. And, you know, those AEW diehards took it way too far. Exactly. And, and, and like I said, you know, and Malachi Black assured everybody that he's, he's okay. He's going to be fine, that everything's fine. He's he, be, he basically like what he's going through. I mean, especially when you have mental health issues like me, like he's basically going through. I've been through. Like sometimes we just need to stop working, you know, sit back, relax, and just kind of get away from things. Like we're fine. Like don't worry about it. I mean, it, it's normal. Now he's not sure. Obviously, when he's going to come back, he said he'll see. He'll see. He said, and I quote, "I will see you guys in a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months." Unquote. And then he is again, once again, he's only taking time off. That's it. So basically, he's telling us, "I'm fine. Don't worry about it." I'll see you whenever and like that. But he did. He, down the he street. Confirm, though, he did actually. Three months off from yeah. Wendy's. No one gives a shit. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, but he did confirm that he he. I think he did ask for a release, but I guess I guess I would imagine Tony Khan s- sat down and spoke to him. I mean, he mentions his wife as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if his wife, who as we know is is Zelina Vega, if she spoke to him as well. Sometimes when you're just so frustrated and you're not well, especially with mental issues, like. You might say something that you don't mean or like like that. So, so if, if that's the case, if he mentioned if he does confirm that he asked for his release, so that I have the gut feeling that Tony Khan sat him down and they worked things out, and Tony Khan probably just convinced him to take time off. I wouldn't even be surprised if Tony Khan was the one who convinced him to take time off. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, st- until until I actually see something by him specifically saying he asked for a release, a release, I'm I'm taking it all with a grain of salt. Um, I think basically, you know, he reiterated several times in his Instagram. He's just taking some time off trying to get his head straight. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So. So as far as uh, as far as we know, yeah, Tony Khan is not granting any releases. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I mean, that's fine. That's, you know, what anyone would do. And, you know, in that situation, you're you know, it's a. WWE is a much more desirable place than it was three or four months ago. So I imagine, you know, it is more likely now that people would be asking for their releases more, you know, more than they would prior. So yeah. So that's so now we so now we're done with Mr. Khan and Mr. Black. And now now I find this really interesting because I'll be honest, seeing this news is actually great, even though I've I've never really been a fan of impact wrestling. I'm not saying I don't like it. I never did. I mean I, I I just never I was just never fully invested in it, but seeing now Raven will be inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, I just actually want to take some time and talk about his career because his career has just been I I I go unique. And you know what the first I mean when you think of his promos, you think of his character, when you think of all that, you know what the one thing that comes to mind of of a moment in his career? Antidepressants. Not exactly. It's actually a stunt that he pulled. At, he, it's a stunt that he pulled at ECW that apparently. The sad man crucifixion. Yeah. So first, okay. People ask me, do I find it offensive? I mean, honestly, look, I'm not Christian. I'm not Catholic. So I mean, so obviously, no. Do I find it offensive overall? I mean, it could go either way. Whether it's offensive or not, I, I can honestly say this. I don't think that Raven did it to intentionally offend anybody. I don't think Raven really wanted to offend anybody. Raven just did something that was to make the feud high profile. 
He did it to basically make the feud intensify. I mean, he did he did it. He made a business move at the end of the day. See, I, I'm actually going to disagree with you there because knowing the background of just who Scott Levy is and the way he 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 thought of things, that may not like when he originally came up with the idea, it just may have been, oh my god, this is going to be a great segment. But I guarantee, as people were like, dude, this is going to really piss people off. That had to have spurred him on. That had to make him want to do it even more. Because even after it happened, and there's all the fallout and the backlash, you know, Heyman made him go out and give an apology, and you could just tell he's like, like the entire apology is like, I really don't give a fuck. Y'all kiss my ass. It was good stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, just yeah, as yeah. he was always kind of that the anti guy, I, I think, as opposed kind of the the anti norm. Um, the anti-establishment type type character, um, even in his personal life. I mean, you look at his original gimmicks like Scotty Flamingo and Johnny Polo just completely missed the mark of who he actually is as a person, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I should probably retract my statement a little bit. Obviously, he was a heel, so obviously he wanted to piss off the crowd because to get him invested in the feud. I, I guess I meant to say he never meant to insult the religion. I, I, I guess I, m- I must have just gotten the words mixed up a little bit. Yeah, but, I can I can see that. Yeah, but it, it, well, you know what's it, because interesting from that stuff. You know, we all know the story. Kurt Angle was there. We all know that that whole thing. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, and from what we understand, Paul Heyman apparently had no idea about it. I mean, that's another argument for another day. But but no. obviously. That stunt. I I really don't. I, I mean, I really don't want, want much to say about it. But it, it was interesting. If Kurt Angle was pissed off about that, but didn't they do something similar with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Stephanie McMahon in the WWF? I was actually just about about to mention that that you yeah. you know you have have that, and then you have the uh, you know the Undertaker trying to trying to crucify Stephanie. Um, so, but also, I mean. Stephanie, I mean, The Undertaker was, I think, kind of that dark satanic gimmick at the time where Raven, you know, a lot of people just saw him as like this kind of grungy cult leader type. Um, And I think that really, you know, jacked him up to another level. And then you have the crown of thorns. I think the thing that probably honestly pushed it over the top is Stephanie was crucified on a symbol because it wasn't an actual cross. It was like The Undertaker symbol at that time, which was like a weird, you, you know, drawn and then, you know, it was just her on it in a black dress, where with the Sandman situation, it was an actual cross. He had the crown of barbed wire on his head. I mean, it was it, it was nuts, man. It, it was absolutely, it, it was nuts. And yeah, could you, I mean, just imagine, though, if he wouldn't have done that. Kurt Angle's there. Kurt Angle signs with ECW. I mean, what what that would have done to wrestling would have been absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah, so the way I see it, yeah, I mean, Raven, obviously, as a heel, he, he wanted to uh, obviously piss off the crowd. But again, I, I think basically what I meant to say that he didn't mean to whatever, he didn't mean to insult the religion. He just basically did, he did something that was that that was a bit creative, and he basically did something that a heel does. And basically, you know, to make the storyline interesting. So at the end of the day, he was not only being a heel, but he was basically making a business decision to, you know, basically to, to draw, to, to, to help improve the draw. So he, he knew it would get people talking. Yeah, I mean, so really, at the end of the day, do I feel like Raven should have apologized? To be honest, no. I mean, I mean, come on, if that, if that pisses off people, I mean, come on, all the other crazy stuff ECW does. I mean, you know, 
the fire tables, you know, <laughs> you know, all, all the crazy stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, you should expect something like to be insane, you know, at ECW. It's ECW, for God's sake. It's called Extreme Championship Wrestling. Well, I mean, a part of that same angle, you had the Sandman's ex-wife and his son caning him. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I mean, that on. whole angle was just, just absolutely nuts. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, um, Raven, man, I mean, you talk about his career, you talk about someone who who, who did a little bit of everything. I mean, he was in the, the territories, he went to WWE, he went to WCW, was, you know, these rich, rich kind of pretty boy characters with Johnny Polo and Scotty Flamingo, Johnny Flamingo. And then he goes to ECW and is like, hey, let me... Let me try this. And ECW was great for that. And that Heyman just gave those guys the freedom to kind of find themselves. Um, yeah. And I mean, dude, when he first showed up, the leather jacket, the nose and eyebrow piercings, the jean shorts, you know, the heavy metal T-shirts, combat boots. I mean, it, it was it was something, man. Um, it was something a lot of people had never seen before. And then the whole cult leader thing with the flock and. You know, that got him, you know, everything that happened with him and ECW got him back into WCW with another, you know, version of that gimmick. And that's kind of been his, you know, his shtick um, all the way through that into him, you know, coming into to TNA, you know, early 2000s, I think 2003 was when he uh, made his first debut after leaving WWE after the invasion. Yeah, I mean. The, the career in itself is is well decorated. You know, he had that, that feud with Tommy Dreamer, was the ECW World Heavyweight Champion, like you just mentioned. You know, WCW, The Flock, and everything. It's Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know, man. To me, the, the TNA Hall of Fame is like... I mean, if you're just basing it off of his TNA career, would it... Would it I mean, I guess if you compare it to to the other stuff in T, TNA, it's just I don't know. It's 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 weird for me because I think my brain automatically tries to put it like on par with like the WWE Hall of Fame, because um, you know that's the only other kind of sports entertainment one that you can compare it with. You don't want to compare it with something like Cauliflower Alley Club or or something of that nature. I mean, yeah. he did great things for TNA. I think he he you know brought in some people there, but. If you, I think if you look at his overall career, yeah, he is definitely a Hall of Famer. But I think if you're just basing it off of what he did in TNA, I don't know if that by itself constitutes, you know, Hall of Fame worthiness. But I think the whole package, if you look at from when he, you know, started wrestling in the early 90s to, you know, when he finished up, uh, I, mean, I think he maybe still do indie shows from from time to time. I think the, the, yeah. the whole career is definitely Hall of Fame worthy. I don't know if you can say that if you're just focusing on what he did TNA. I always thought Raven w- w- was fun. Um, he's actually a former NWA World Champion. I mean, when when Impact first started, I, I think it was called uh, TNA and the NWA or something like that. I know it that. Was, Jeff- it, was, it, was, it, it was NWA TNA because um, at the time it was just total nonstop action. And basically they were – Kind of a branch off of it. I want to say the first incarnation of it was NWA Wildside, because um, that's where guys like Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles first started getting their feet wet. And then they brought in, brought in Jeff Jarrett and kind of merged the NWA with, with TNA. Um, and so, yeah, he did win that, that championship 
Um, I think it was 2005. Yeah, that was yeah, 2005, 2006. I did actually watch a little bit of it back then. You know, when Kurt Angle left the WWE to go to a TNA, you know, AJ Styles was there, Christian Cage. There was like several other uh, other like you know former WWE talent or like that. So yeah, so based on the timeline, at first from 2002 to 2004, it was NWA Total Nonstop Action, and then it was Total Nonstop Action Wrestling from 2004 to 2017. Then became Impact. Then I think I want I think briefly it was Global Force Wrestling. There's been a lot of uh, star, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, I, I TNA has know. had more names, and Big Show has had heel turns. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and TNA's just had so many problems. I mean, I've heard. I mean, I'll never forget. You know, Jim Jim Cornette and that epic video of him just totally destroying Vince Russo. He mentions even destroys uh, Dixie Carter and like that. I mean, because Jim Cornette did work for TNA from 2006 2009. I remember in 2006 he was actually, if I remember correctly, he was the authority figure. But I found it interesting that he was a babyface, not a heel. But then again, yep. Cornette, Cornette did have a face turn when he was a manager. I mean, even though he was one of the greatest heels, heels ever, he did have a, a baby face run. And he, you know, he's good at both. He's better as a heel, but he's good at both. But Impact, too. I mean, Impact's just been a roller coaster. Yeah, and it's, to now. Um, I mean, they have some really good wrestlers. They have some great storylines. It's just, I mean, they just, I, I don't know if they have, like, kind of the financial backing that you have for, like, you know, an AEW or, or a WWE, but they, they've definitely had the talent. I mean, there have been times when, you know, they, they've had amazing rosters, but they kind of fell into, you know, especially um, once Kurt Angle came on, which don't be wrong, Angle was an amazing signing, but in retrospect, like, the only reason they signed him is WWE wouldn't because he was pilled out of his gourd. Um, but w, uh, TNA definitely, I think, over... And we could we could have a whole other episode about TNA, but they tried to push the the ex WWE guys, I think, at the expense of their own. Um, but just just kind of kind of back into Raven. I mean, you know, we talk about the you know um, it was the the flock in you know WCW Ravens Nest and ECW. They did have a couple versions of that in TNA as well. And I think the one that's extremely interesting is he had a group in TNA called the Gathering. Which had Julio De Niro and his tag team partner at the time, CM Punk. You also had Alexis Lurie, who went on to become Mickey James. And so the fact that you have him in a stable with, you know, two future, you know, people have the debate all day, but in wrestling, Punk is an icon, love him or hate him. Mickey James is one of the greatest women wrestlers ever. And just the fact that they kind of got their start with him in that stable. Um, you know, was amazing. Um, and then you look at, you know, even the ROH feud that he had with Punk, you know, Straight Edge versus Raven's History as a Drinker and all that um, was amazing as well, I think. But oh, yeah. it, it definitely seemed like it was just, it just it, it just kept rehashing the, the same old, you know, I have The Gathering and then I have Sarantonin and then I have this other group and then I'm going to go get, you know, the Deadpool and just over and over and over again. He had that alliance with uh, Dr. Stevie, who was, you know, with Stevie Richards. Oh, with that and Abyss and the freaking, God, that was some horrible story. That was bad. You talk about bad TNA, like Dr. Stevie and Abyss and 
Joseph Parks, the lawyer, and Stevie, like, gave Abyss these pills that controlled him or some shit. Oh, yeah. So, like yeah. I said, I mean, for me, in my case, I was never uh, invested in, in a TNA, although I had watched it a few times in 2005, 2006. But I was I was never really a TNA guy. But like I said, it's not like not like I hated it. I, I was just never I yeah. was just I was just too loyal to WWE and I was and I was not I was not the fan that was committed to watching both. Like I'm not the fan that I was not the fan that I am today. Yeah. Although today the only the only thing that stops me from watching wrestling is the fact that, you know, I, I don't buy TV packages because I always say this it's no point paying fifty to seventy bucks if you only watch a few channels and that too, but also my schedule, but but you yeah. know as far as overall Raven goes, I mean, it's not just the career in Impact Wrestling, it's the career overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, his his run in ECW, the 95, you know, the, the 95, 97 run, when the, you know, the uh, Raven's nest was real huge, his feud with Tommy Dreamer, probably one of the best feuds of all time. I mean, oh. it was just, it was so good in the way they brought in Beulah and the storyline that, you know, Tommy Dreamer made fun of him and he rebuked Beulah and now she was with Raven and then, like, she ends up turning on him to go with Tommy and then Kimono Wanalea and the whole, you know, I'm so hardcore, I'll take them both. The feud he had with Sandman. Like, his, I, you know, it's funny, he's going in the TNA Hall of Fame. And I said, if you just base his career off his TNA stuff, I don't see it being Hall of Fame worthy. But just his ECW career, if there was an ECW Hall of Fame, he'd be a first ballot. Because the, the shit he did in ECW was absolutely state-of-the-art. Not a lot of people had that much development, that much drive, and were into that character that much. Um, and I think it was it was absolutely phenomenal his work his work in ECW, some of the best character work we saw in the late '90s. And that's putting him up there with guys like you know Stone Cold, The Rock. I mean, he was Raven, and that that character in ECW, and to a lesser extent WCW, was absolutely phenomenal. I just me personally, by the time he got to TNA, I just thought it was it. I had seen, you know, I'd seen it in the previous 10 years. Uh, to me, it, it just kind of ran its course. And Raven's feud with CM Punk and Ring of Honor, one of the best feuds in wrestling, dude. Oh, my gosh. When, uh, I think it wasn't uh, Raven, the one he, like, held him down and poured the bottle of whiskey down his throat. I mean, it was just, um, man, that, that feud was something, dude. And that dog collar match that they had, uh, oh, my gosh. And I think CM Punk actually credits Raven with uh, basically teaching him a lot. I mean, Raven's an influence. Yeah. I mean, he definitely inspired an entire, I would say, a, a huge generation of guys. I mean, as far as, I mean, you want to talk to straight promos and talking. I mean, he was he was the top of the heap for, for a while. It was great stuff. And, I mean, even you look at some of the guys in the, the flock when he was in WCW, you guys like Perry Saturn and Billy Kidman, who, you know, kind of went out on their, you know, on their own, um, had, had really good careers. Seven-year itch, yeah. <laughs> That's, that, yeah. That was really, yeah, it, we call it the shooting star press, but I guess back then he called it the seven-year itch. Yes, Be, because his yeah. gimmick was supposed to, Kidman's gimmick was supposed to be that he was like a homeless heroin addict. So he'd like always be like walking around scratching himself and stuff. Um, yeah. I remember the first time I saw the, the shooting. Kidman was my first shooting star press, and I was just, I was absolutely blown away. It's funny, yeah. side note, my first uh, WCW pay-per-view I ever saw was Spring Stampede 96, when, uh, I think it was 96, where uh, he lost, he uh, won the U.S. title from Diamond Dallas Page, and then the next night lost it to uh, Goldberg. 
Right. Or it was 98. It was 97, excuse me. Yeah. But, you know, and I'll forget. And I, I remember when Raven would say, you know, he would quote Edgar Allan Poe's poem, quote the Raven, nevermore. So I remember there was a WCW video game where every time you would pick your wrestler, they would have a rant. Yep. I, I, yeah. And Raven's was pick me, pick somebody else, do whatever you want, leave me alone. Quote the Raven, nevermore. The the best one was was, uh, was Buff Bagwell because well if you don't like I'm Buff I'm the stuff and if you don't pick me well I guess you're not enough and then the uh-huh. Piper one was like oh my God. Pick me Hogan I put him to sleep Nash put him to sleep twice <laughs> well actually no Piper's was like he would say pick me what's wrong with you I heard Nash Nash said don't pick me fine because I can smash Nash and then he would yeah, like pick Hogan right. and he would, and then he would he was like pick Hogan. Put him to sleep put him three to sleep times. Twice. <laughs> yes. I just love like he's like you pick Hogan, then he would like do that with his hands, and then you would blow the raspberry. I mean, that that, that was a babyface, the great babyface version of Roddy Piper. But just any, give me any version of Roddy Piper, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Alex Wright's uh, rant was get pretty good. I mean, very very babyface from Alex Wright, but for Raven at the time. Him like that, and it's pretty. It's pretty clear that he was a heel, but he he was just really didn't care. It's like pick me, pick somebody else. I don't care. Just leave me alone. <laughs> he was a, he was definitely a heel, but you know a lot of kids who who grew up you know listening to Nirvana, kind of in that that grunge movement. You know he was he was definitely a uh, a bit of an anti-hero to a lot of us. Yeah, and and Raven, you know, again one of the most unique wrestlers and. You know, Chris Rex, you know, my former co-host with, with Wrestling with a Bear, actually worked a show once where he was actually a member of Raven's Flock. So, yeah, and Chris Rex actually, yeah, he was part of Raven's Flock. They were doing, a, they were doing like, a, a segment involving the Sandman, and, then you know, and Sandman comes in the ring, and Chris Rex took a kendo stick shot, and but Chris Rex showed me the video, and I thought it was pretty cool. So, I mean, so for Chris Rex, you know, the fact that he could put on his resume once, that he was once part of Raven's Flock. In Raven's promos, his character, there's really almost nothing negative to say about Raven. As I think, I think the only thing that you could say is by the time he he got to TNA, his 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 his, it may have kind of you know the gimmick had been around for a while. I think just the whole I'm always going to have a crew doing my dirty work for me, but I don't I don't think he ever lost that ability to just control people on the mic and to you know have the uh, the the verbal skills. And I mean, he also put on some some bangers of some matches, man. He did. You, you can't deny it. And one time in Impact Wrestling, he was in a. I, th- I guess it was no disqualification. I was like, I saw him t- get bladed with a freaking pizza cutter. I'm like, geez. Some engaged shit. Yeah, I mean, some of those guys, they're hardcore. They don't care. Whatever, whatever, whatever catches the attention, they do it. And. Speaking of hardcore, that match WrestleMania 17 when he was in that match with Big Show and Kane, I'll be honest, I actually love that. I actually like that match. The golf cart was the best. <laughs> or when Big Show threw Raven through the glass. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! I mean, that dude got some balls going out there with them two big ass sons of bitches, and just all right, hit me with your best shot. I mean, like I uh, said, Raven. I mean, Raven is just that guy. Like, you know what? I don't care. I'll I'll make it great. He's he's that devoted and committed to the business, and that's one of the many reasons why I respect Raven. So, Raven to Scott Levy, one hell of a career, man. Yeah, no doubt. 
Well, I think we kind of covered all the bases. There's anything else you want to cover, my friend? Um, I think that's it, man. Like, you know, guy was great on the mic. Guy um, was good in the ring. Had some of the best feuds of all time in ECW. And like I said, you looked at the whole career. Definitely Hall of Fame worthy. So, uh, welcome. Yeah. That no no doubt no doubt about it. So so before I let you uh, before we let you go, I'd like to send out my thoughts and prayers to all of, all of my uh, loyal listeners and friends and and uh, fans in uh, the state of Florida. Uh, I understand you know the issues right now, man. I, I I just can't help but keep you all my thoughts. I hope everybody's okay. Uh, just let everybody know that this show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, as well as YouTube. Uh, David, any final thoughts? No, just um, you know, in regards to the to the Malachi Black thing, if you haven't read the Instagram post or listened to it, definitely do. And unless you're hearing it directly from these guys, y'all, let's let's just make sure. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see y'all next time. Have a good one, y'all.